0: want to share about one of the more popular topics in the Bible, the topic of pain and suffering. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's, uh, so when I started doing research on this, just in the New Testament, whenever I, I was typing in words, you know, in the, the concordance for suffering, persecution, afflictions, trials. New Testament alone, I got like 13 pages. And I think sometimes we tend to ignore this part that, that's in the Bible. And I think it's a little bit of the, uh, the American gospel where we come to Jesus to make our life smoother And to make our life better, but it's really just, the gospel is, Jesus is our life. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus, he's he's the forerunner. He says, I'm the first among many brethren. And so, Jesus modeled for us what our life will look like. And it says in Isaiah 53, it says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And so you have this side of Jesus, and yet the joy of the Lord was his strength. He was the most peaceful man that ever walked the earth. Uh, the most, he was perfect and righteous, but yet he experienced suffering and joy. And, and, and 2 Corinthians 9 says Jesus became poor that we might become rich. He let, Think about heaven, heaven's glorious. There's no, it says there's no more grief. There's no more sorrow. There's joy. There's peace. And Jesus left that environment to come. He, so he was rich heaven. You're rich. And he came to earth, the wilderness, the poor has been decimated by the corruption of sin. He comes to the wilderness. He comes and becomes poor that we might have his life. We might become rich. Because we're seated in Christ in the heavenly places. We've been raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. And also, whenever I talk about pain and suffering, I'm not talking about physical pain because I believe Jesus wants to heal sickness and disease. Everybody that came to Jesus was healed. He gave his disciples authority in Matthew 10, 1. He says, I give you authority to heal every manner of sickness and disease cast out. He says, this is how you know the kingdom of heaven has come. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so I love Mary Kate's testimony about the Lord. You know, she's just thought this was something she had to accept, that having lupus and that God's doing a progressive healing work in her. And so we contend for that. And just a quick note on physical healing. If it's the will of God, why do we go to the doctor to try to get out of the will of God? You ever thought about that? If you're sick... And it's the will of, and you, you believe it's the will of God. Why do we run to the doctor to get out of the will of God? All right. So I think that's healing of the physical body is a part of the atonement. All right. And so the physical, physical pain is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trials, tribulations, uh, enduring, uh, persecution, being in just hard circumstances in life. And the reason we got to talk about this we uh take it to the the uh, first slide. the reason i w- I want us to uh to understand this is because if you understand uh the ways of God and also just kind of current or current circumstances then you're you're less likely to get offended <laughs> when you have understanding and when you understand that. That, okay, what Jesus, my life is going to look like Jesus' life. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. And so I got a clicker, so let me, let me see if it, there we go. we just go back to the front, the, the first one. So in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's he's, he's uh, imploring Timothy. He's like, listen to me, Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which, which persecutions I endured, Yet from, them, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. And then verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Has anybody ever read that verse before? Have you ever heard that verse before? R- raise your hand. Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All right. So when you read the New Testament alone, like I said, there's a lot of passages that pop, pop up. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul, he says this. He says, I do not want you to be unaware of afflictions. So Paul is pointing out like what he's suffering on purpose. He says, I don't want you to be unaware of the afflictions. And listen, if they do this to me, if they did this to Jesus... They're going to do it to you. And so why do we teach about suffering? Why am I teaching today? Well, number one, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And if we're aware that sufferings, pain, afflictions, tests, trials, are part of the overcoming life in Christ, then we're not going to get offended, and then we can prosper in our spirit during those times. So to give us understanding, when you have understanding, then you can have courage. When you have understanding, you can have courage. Because whenever Jesus said, listen, the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. So when there's Christians around the world and, and, and that are being persecuted, they can look at it as this is, they're, this is greater than me. This is a battle that's bigger than me. This is an antichrist spirit coming against Jesus in me. They're persecuting Jesus. Because if that person was not aligning themselves with Jesus, they would not be persecuted, right? And so when you align yourself with Jesus, he draws a line in the sand. Jesus actually said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, he gives us peace, and he calls us to be peacemakers. But what he's saying is, He's drawing a line, it's like, this is the world, this is the devil's kingdom, this is the kingdom of God. Bam. And he's drawing a dividing line between that. And he's making a very stark contrast with what the kingdom of God looks like and what the kingdom of this world looks like. And so part of the suffering is if, if there's nothing to overcome, then we're not overcomers. That's why we're called more than conquerors. That's why we're called overcomers. And only in this life, do we have the privilege of actually getting to choose to worship God in the midst of pain, trial, hardship? Because when you get to heaven, all that's going to be gone. So we get the privilege of, I, I choose Jesus, I choose you in this moment. And that, that means a lot to Jesus. That blesses his heart. Whenever you're like, everything's screaming in my ear, Jesus, to like maybe run away from you or to... Maybe believe that, not believe the promises, but I'm going to choose you in this moment, Jesus. I'm going to choose you. Tim Keller said, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it. He was shut out so we could get access. He was bound, nailed so that we could be free, and he was cast out so we could approach. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you, and that is being cast away from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. And the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into somebody gorgeous. So one of the reasons we also, we also suffer in this life is that we're living both in heaven and on the earth. <laughs> We've been seated with Christ in heaven. So there's this, there's this tension. There's this battle between heaven and earth in you and around you. That's one of the reasons Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what suffering also does is it reminds us that this is not our home. (laughs) It reminds you this is not our home. We're born. We're seated in Christ. Listen, I, I believe I'm not a uh, I'm not a uh, woe is me Christian. I don't believe we're victims. I believe God's empowered us, like we are. He's given us His Holy Spirit to overcome. But if you're unaware that that's it's going to come with a confrontation with the, the powers of this world and with your sin, then you're going to be mistaken. And you'll get discouraged the moment any kind of trial or hardship comes or any kind of challenge. That's why I'm saying Jesus didn't come, he didn't come to give to to make life smoother. He came to give you eternal life. That's what he meant. And, And sometimes when you choose Jesus, it's gonna create more problems for you. And the thing, the good thing is, is he's the answer. And so there was, uh, at Burning Man, this was a year I didn't go. Uh, if you know what Burning Man is and you have no idea what I'm talking about, we did an outreach there. It wasn't for vacation. And so, uh, but Bob Johnson, one of the years he went, he, there was a Jewish man, and Burning Man, uh, the Jewish people, Are really for the most part if they're secular jews are really into new age stuff so they'll go to the mountains of nepal to try to try to get in touch with some buddhist transcendentalism and they just go to whatever new agey thing there is so there was actually a lot of jews israeli jews and jews from other parts of the world at burning man and so bob this uh they came into the ministry tent and this guy was encountering the presence of the Lord and Bob said hey man and he, he was just getting rocked he was like man what is this and Bob said this is Yeshua and he said now if you want if you want to live like this if you want to be able to have access to this the rest of your life you need to give your life to Yeshua but you've got you've to give it all and he said that the guy just looked at the ground for about five minutes, silent. And Bob was like, hey, dude, accept Jesus. This is the way Bob is. He's like, dude, let him in. The guy wouldn't answer him. He's like, hey, man, come on. Dude, ask Jesus to come in. And the guy's just standing there silent. And then he said the guy lifted up his head and he went, just yelled at the top of his lungs, Yeshua, come. Come. And right when he said "come," he flew back like ten feet and was slain in the spirit. And so, when he finally he came back to Bob was is like, "Dude, what was going on? Why were you standing there for five minutes?" He said, uh, "I was counting the cost." He said, "I knew if I accepted Yeshua, I would be uh, disowned by my family." That's what the cost of following Jesus is whenever people were baptized in Jesus's day, that's kind of what you were doing was declaring, I am dead to my old life. It was a public, it was a lot more of, uh, it was a lot higher cost than it is for us in America because you were declaring to the whole Jewish community, I'm with Christ. He's the Messiah. And if they, weren't on board with that, then you were being cut off from everything. Imagine being cut off from inheritance, cut off from your families, friends, loved ones. But Jesus said, if you don't hate your father, you don't hate your brother, you can't, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And that's what he's meaning he's not meaning you hate them. Like you don't love them, but he has to be the first love. And that's, and, and then, you know, Jesus said, who is my brother? Who is my sister? It's him who does the will of God. That's who my brother and sister are. So even this morning as we're doing, as we gathered around Katie and Claire, it's, that's the family of God. So I want to touch just a little bit on persecution because if when you share the gospel, we have to understand there's people that are hungry for Jesus. And then there's people that don't know they're hungry for Jesus. And so you might come across somebody that doesn't know they're hungry for Jesus. And they might give you the Heisman. And they might call you names. You know, one of the, the worst things that American Christians hate is to be, is to be misunderstood. And Jessica was reading out of Psalm 85. It said, Lord, let us have loving kindness and truth, righteousness and peace. Sometimes we sacrifice righteousness in order to have peace. Sometimes we sacrifice peace in order to be righteous. Sometimes we sacrifice truth in order that we may appear loving. And then sometimes we sacrifice uh, loving loving kindness in order to be the person that's right. But loving kindness and truth have to be paired together. Righteousness and peace have to be paired together. When somebody maligns you or calls you names, you can't respond in turn. And uh, And so when we're misunderstood, we hate it. We hate it. And so that's why I think sometimes we give in to, okay, it's, I don't want you to think I'm a mean person, so I'm not going to say the truth. But the 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, they're going to call you evil for standing up for what's good. <laughs> they're going to call you evil. So imagine, what did they call Jesus? They called him. It's like, you cast out demons by Beelzebub. They're calling him. A satan worshiper they're calling jesus evil and so for me you know when i when i lived in texas and with along with my family we lived in texas i was working part-time at a la fitness and there was a man who had um ms multiple sclerosis and so his he was losing control of his body he I walked with a limp, couldn't talk very well because was you just lose control of your muscular control. He was an older man. He was in his 60s and had been a really successful businessman, was CEO and made a lot of money. But, yeah, he he could barely talk when I would talk with him. But every time he came into the gym, I would – I would come up to him, talk to him, just um, try to love on him because I, I felt compassion for this man. And so he'd get on the stationary bike, and I'd go over there and sit with him and just and just talk. And one day, I went over there, and I said, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for God to heal you? And he said, no, I don't believe in God. I said, that, I said, that's okay. I do can I pray for you? And he said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. He, and he, was, he said, I, I hate God, which he said he didn't believe in him. But he just, you know, but. And so I said, hey, and then I just started sharing the gospel. I was like, Jesus loves you, man. Like, he's real. He can heal you. And he basically was just like, "I." Be, we had become friends, but he he's, he said, You need to leave. So then, so he couldn't talk very well, but he could type very well. So he sent me an email. And it was long. And it was scathing. And he he hit every part that is important to me. So he said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You have zero character. You you are not a good man. You are evil. I mean, he was he called me everything that was the opposite of what I value and who God's made me to be. And it was a total, total misunderstanding. I came I read that email and I Got on my knees at the foot of my bed and I just, I wept because this man so misunderstood me, but ultimately misunderstood Jesus. And he asked, he said, you should resign. You have so little integrity, which I didn't, I was like, I, I didn't lie. You know, I was like, well, I don't know what you're, it <laughs> wasn't making sense. And so I knew he was getting, it was just a demonic bitterness, uh, lashing out. But that's. That's being called evil when you're trying to love on somebody, right? And so there's many times we're going to stand up for truth and we're going to be called evil. You're going to share the gospel with somebody and it's like, you're a hypocrite. You, you know what Christians have done in history? I had somebody tell me that the other day. He says, Do you, what about the crusades? What about priests raping boys? And I said, yeah, Jesus had a word for them. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you make your disciples Twice the son of hell is you. It'd be better if you had a millstone tied around your neck. Because we had started talking about hell, and I said, Hell's real. I said, Have you ever read the Gospels? And he was like, Nah. I said, Because he told me, he's like, I believe Jesus loves everybody. And I said, He does. I said, I can't see how Jesus could send anybody to hell. I said, Have you read what he said? Then he, he, then he brought up the Crusades and priests. And I said, This is what he said about that twice the son of hell, not the son of earth or heaven, the son of hell. And so there's this thing, there's a clash. The gospel brings a clash of of kingdoms. So, what does persecution maybe look like for us, a Christian in the United States in 2019? It could be rejection, it could be misunderstanding, it could be mocking. Accusations like things that aren't true about you. It could be looking foolish or uncool. Heaven forbid, we look uncool. And then we call it evil. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, they, they, might, they will call you evil. So there's no threat of life like some of our brothers and sisters around the world, which we can be thankful for. Now, Jesus, like I said, he's the forerunner. He's the first of many brethren. And so this is, this is uh, what Jesus' life looked like, the sufferings that he endured, acquainted with grief. Number one, he was a, he was a newborn baby. His family had to flee to Egypt as a, when he was a baby to, to escape and fat aside at the hands of Herod. All right? Submitted to his parents' authority when he was teaching in the temple. I mean, you know, that's, that's taking up your cross sometimes. You got to submit to your parents, you know. Even, at, even as an adult, you know, sometimes you just got to do it. All right, yeah. Mama, I'll get the fruitcake for Thanksgiving. Okay. He fasted, he fasted 40 days and was tempted by the devil. So fasting is a, is a deliberate choice to humble yourself. It's like you're making a declaration, like, I can't do this on my own strength, God. And you ask God to come. And so, but in the midst of that, now, how many of y'all, when you fasted, I know there's some people like Lou Engle who have amazing encounters with God while they're fasting. But how many of you, while you're fasting, you're like, "Ah!" What? Or you're a zombie. I've done both, you know, where Jessica's like, Travis, I'm like, huh? Right, okay, yeah. What? Yeah, and I'm forgetting things, you know, or somebody's smacking at the table, and I'm like. <laughs> Sorry, anyways, you, the flesh trying to rise up, you know, and you, that's because it's being crucified. It's like, I don't want to die. But you bring it to death. So he fasted 40 days. So Jesus, the you know, is trying to, devil's trying to just get him to taste the flesh a little bit. Taste the flesh. But he wouldn't do it. The, pe- the people he grew up with in Nazareth attempted to throw him off a cliff and kill him. Imagine your hometown people that you grew up with. Said, we, we try to kill you. But this is what I love about Jesus too. They, because the reason they threw him off the cliff is because when it was his, his turn to read in the synagogue, it just happened to be... The reading of Isaiah 61 that day, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And it goes on and on. And He says, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your midst, because there's a messianic scripture. And they're like, Blasphemy! That's my Pharisee voice. Blasphemy! And so you, they took him and they, they, they took him off to a cliff, but it said, Jesus walked. Through the, like through the crowd unnoticed, so Jesus put the invisible cloak on because it wasn't his time. There's been other men in history that, that Sadhu Sundar Singh, apostle in India, turn of the 20th century. A Hindu village was getting ready to kill him, and and he. Walked through the crowd, and they were just, there's an angry mob, and he just walked through the middle. They didn't even see him. He said they are all looking at the stage where he had been preaching, and they're doing this. Ah, and he walked out the back, and they are still just in a frenzy, like, looking at the stage. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was despised and rejected by religious leaders of the day. Sometimes that's the persecution that comes from actually those who call, it, call themselves Christians. Accused of being a sinner, a drunkard, a glutton, and a demon worshiper. His ancestry and heritage was mocked. They went, is it this Joseph's son? Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Does anything good come out of Watkinsville? I mean, that's, you know, if that's, we saying that about me, but wherever you're, you're born at. Mostly misunderstood by the masses and even those closest to him. Imagine that, your closest friends. Like, dude, I I thought you were going to do this. They're disappointed in you. Betrayed by those closest to him, Judas and Peter, mocked and beaten at the orders of government officials, crucified on a Roman cross, a criminal and a traitor's death, and he deserved none of it. Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, this is the Passion Translation. that says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. I'm going to read that again. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall fall into. Then we will be able to run life marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So so consider carefully how Jesus' face how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Charles Surgeon said, our sorrows are all, like ourselves, mortal. There are no immortal sorrows for immortal souls. That's good news. They come, but blessed be God, they also go. Like birds of the air, they fly over our heads, but they cannot make their abode in our souls. We suffer today, but we shall rejoice tomorrow. So what can we expect when we we share the gospel in word and deed? We can expect what Jesus experienced. Number one, that people will be saved. He said the fields are white unto harvest. White meaning they're they're ready for harvest. They're ready to be cut down. And, you know, I've I've heard uh, Bill Johnson say everyone is harvestable. We just got to know what the key is. You just got to have, like, what's the key for that person? It might be a word of knowledge. It might be a prophetic word. It might just be simply sharing the gospel. It may be healing. It may be you serving them, bringing them cookies on their birthday. Secondly... Miracles and signs will, want, will follow. So Jesus summoned his 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And Jesus said, "The kingdom of, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received and freely you give. Thirdly, there's, people are hungry for Jesus. People are hungry for Jesus. There's people like, in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read this to you. Paul and Silas at midnight were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So Paul and Silas, they're, they're in prison, and they're worshiping the Lord. And suddenly they, there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He'd rather kill himself than face the punishment from his uh, uh, authorities. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now imagine this jailer probably got rough. I imagine he got rough with Paul and Silas, throwing them in there, maybe hit them a few times. Who knows? There was no... prisoner rights back then and so paul says do not harm yourself for we're all here so this guy who's his enemy he's saying don't harm yourself and he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear he fell down before paul and silas and after he brought them out he said sir sirs what must i do to be saved they said believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved you and your whole household And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all those who were in his house. And they took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. So they had been beaten. And immediately he was baptized, he and his whole household, the jailer in his house. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. So here's a man who is their enemy. And in the moment, it it was an earthquake that broke the jail open. And he, the fear of God came on that man. And he asked, how may I be saved? We can also be expect to be rejected like Jesus. John chapter 15 says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. I think as a general principle, if it's popular in the world, it's probably don't want to go that direction. The world thinks it's a great idea. Probably, probably not the kingdom of God. (laughs) Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Listen to this. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would, be, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. So even if they're doing it in the name of God, they don't know God. Because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, this is the good news, whom I will send you to you from the Father, the Spirit of tree, truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit will come, and the Holy Spirit's the comforter. He's the empowerer. He's the one that gives us his fruit. He's the one that gives us his gifts. And Jesus said, don't despair. The Holy Spirit's also called the Spirit of Christ. And so he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus is with us. We're not walking this alone like Jesus did. He's walking with us in the midst of this. And the beauty about this is we get to have, we get to choose joy in the midst of these things. You've heard maybe people said forgiveness is a choice. Maybe you've heard people say love is a choice. Joy is a choice. And There's never a convenient time to start choosing joy. It's like, I want to start choosing joy next week when my calendar is a little less hectic. Just choose joy today. (laughs) And, And so when you choose joy, sometimes you just got to do joyful things. Maybe you need to, like, skip to your car. Maybe you need to laugh in your car and just fake it till you make it. You know, maybe I, I do that all the time. If I start feeling like I'm getting a little little cloud over my head, I start laughing. And and sometimes the more ridiculous, the better. But you do that. That's the foolish that confounds the wise, right? Because somebody you're at you're at the the <laughs> the, the red, red light. And somebody just sees you laughing, and you know, if you're me, I'm just, I might get a little crazy face on, and I'm just doing, a, ah, woo! and you look over, and they do this. And so they, it looks foolish, right? But guess what? You're getting free from that little cloud over your head. So who cares? They don't have the power over your life. Jesus does. Don't fear them. So what gives us strength during these times? The food of the Lord. And what is the food of the Lord? My food is to do the will of him who sent me, not me, and accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. That's, that's a great prayer to pray. Say, Lord, let my food be to do your will. Let, let that sustain me. Jesus also, he prayed, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus likened himself to the manna that came out of heaven to feed us and sustain us. Secondly is the joy of the Lord. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Acts chapter 5, and when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Romans 12:12 12, 12, Rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer. James 1 Count it all joy my brothers When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be made perfect and complete and mature, lacking in nothing. And then 1 Peter 1, the last scripture I want to read, it says, Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life, and we are reborn to, an ex- to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. Let's stand up.
1: So I just had one little thing, um, as Travis was talking about, the what gives us strength It's the food of the Lord. And as he was sharing, I was thinking about how um, we have, when we get discouraged, especially, or feel misunderstood, I feel like we, um, there's a lot of different things that come with that. And um, I have a friend who said one time, you know, if you like haven't spent time with the Lord for a few weeks or years or whatever it may be, and you're like, man, I need to go read my Bible, and man, I just haven't. I'm so embarrassed. You know, you just feel like shame. He's like, it's not shame, that's hunger pain. And we get hunger pains, right? So any of you ever had hunger pain, like you couldn't eat for some reason, whether you were fasting or you were... You were just like in a situation like the preacher talked too long, then his wife got up and kept talking, and you're like, I thought I was leaving. Um, Anything like that, you were just really hungry, right? And so these kinds of things happen where you're hungry, and what I feel like the world is doing is they're hungry, and they're like, I'm just going to take some deep breaths. Still hungry, (laughs) you know, got more oxygen. I'm going to go for a jog, you know, but we do that too. We're hungry for the food of the Lord that Travis was talking about. We're hungry for Jesus to live like Christ, to get more of him. But as believers, I just want to encourage us, like, when that shame comes or when the, you know, we try to feed that hunger pain with something else, it won't satisfy it. Like, we've got to get in Jesus and do what he's do, be about the Father's business, and it will meet that hunger pain. So in our discouragement, it's like we're, um, so, you know, when you start jogging or, or working out, like, you, you eat more, right? So when you start taking risks for Jesus, you're going to have more hunger pain. You're going to need more from him keep the, because if not, it will turn into the shame and the discouragement and the focus on the misunderstanding, being misunderstood. I love, I thought of this during the sermon too. Um, Someone posted something the other day that said, if you want to make people happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. And so sometimes I'm like, I want to sell ice cream, you know what I mean? Because that would be fun, right? (laughs) But but you guys are a bunch of leaders, like you're not going to make, you know? Like, most people are going to not like you, and you're going to be misunderstood. So um, just remember that, that you're not selling ice cream. You're a leader wherever you are.
0: Yeah, and there's gonna, you're going to have favor with people. Jesus grew in favor with, in stature with man and with God. He had favor with Nicodemus, some other Pharisees, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. But there's also the Pharisees... That tried to kill him at every turn. And so you, when we understand this, we won't get discouraged. When somebody, when somebody calls you evil for standing up for good, you're like, oh, they did this to Jesus. Then you won't get discouraged. You're like, it's not even me. It's persecuting Jesus. Because what J- Jesus, it says that what the gospel does is it reveals the righteousness of God. And so when it reveals the righteousness of God, I, I've experienced when you, if you've ever street preached, what you feel people's shame, actually. So like you can, or they start mocking and it's like, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, and they're just like, and the, what, the, why do people do that? It's because when you're preaching the truth, it reveals righteousness. And so you either come to grips with that, like, I need Jesus, or you mock it and shame it and, ah, and because it's heavy. It's heavy. Like, when you – so it, when, how many of y'all, when you first preached the gospel, I was like, the fear of, like, part of it was the fear of God for me. I was like, I – he is the master, and he controls life. I need to, like, get up under, I need to get right with God. And so sometimes that's what people feel when you, when you preach the gospel. And you're not, even, you're not even preaching a hellfire and brimstone sermon. And because what the God, when it reveals the righteousness of God, sometimes there's people that they're overcome with the love of God. But if they're not overcome with the love of God, and they feel that there's that battle that's happening, Sometimes it's that shame, and, and, and I've told somebody, like, you want to get that shame off of you, come to Jesus, because that's sin. That's the shame of sin. So you come to Jesus so he can take that off of you. And so this morning, if there's, if there's anybody here that you need to receive Jesus into your life, you, you're like, I want to follow him. And he's, he's going to be my Lord, my master, not just my Savior, save and save me from my sins, but I'm going to give my life, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to become a disciple. And I encourage you to receive him this morning. Don't wait. It's just like you don't wait till tomorrow. There's not a convenient time to receive Jesus. You receive him today because the, today is the day of salvation. And so, uh, John, if you'll come on up. If our ministry team will come over here to the side. But you can also, we love to have our ministry team pray for you, pray for physical healing for you. If you need agreement with somebody just to, maybe you're in a, a tough time and you just need somebody to pray for you. You know, some of, one of God's favorite prayers is a one-word prayer. It's help. And I love it when you, when, when you tell God stuff like, listen, you asked me to do this thing, I can't do it. You got to show up. He loves that too. I can't do this. You got to show up. I'll I'll, I'll show up, God. I'll come to work, but I I ain't got nothing. So you got to show up, and here I am. He loves that because he loves to show up. So let's worship to one more song, and uh, we'll go from there.